0: Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, let's look at verse 26 together. I'm excited to get into this. The Bible says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, And considering what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And his name shall be called Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord your God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, seeing that I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and therefore the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, have also conceived a son at her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, take this story, this classic, ageless story, and breathe fresh revelation upon it today for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. This morning, this morning, I'm starting this brand new Christmas series that I've entitled Christmas Unplugged. And as you've read this morning in Luke's Gospel, chapter number one, we were reading about the story of Mary. And so I've entitled this message, this unoriginal Christmas title of this message today. Have yourselves a merry little Christmas. Come on, somebody. Will you say that with me? Have yourselves a merry little Christmas. You know, when you look at the Christmas story, it is paramount of the Christian faith. Uh, as I said uh, just a few weeks ago, when we were do- dealing with Thanksgiving, that uh, the Thanksgiving holiday is as though it's the most purest. Uh, two of the most significant that we see on our calendar is going to be the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Now, it's it's highly debated, and most scholars understand that Jesus was not born on December the 25th, though we celebrate it. The fact is, is that he was born. Amen? All historical records point to the fact, both secular and not, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was born and walked the earth. He was Saul uh, crucified. And he was saw again later resurrected on the third day. And so we see that this Christian uh, bedrock of our faith story. The birth of Christ is paramount to our faith. Because while the resurrection of Christ is important. Because all of Christianity, all of our claims hang upon the resurrection. You see, if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, then there is no Christianity. That Jesus is no different than Buddha. He's no different than Muhammad. He's no different than any other wise man of old. But Jesus resurrected, so there's the significance of that. But besides the resurrection of Christ, how many of you know the resurrection wouldn't be significant if he wasn't born? Come on. So we talk a lot about the second coming of Christ, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Hallelujah. Now, I know that all of my friends and all of my family aren't ready, so our goal is to evangelize the lost and preach the Word of God and reach them and keep working like we have forever, but living like it could be right now. So the second coming of Christ is so significant, but just as in the second coming of Christ is significant, the first coming of Christ is so significant. In fact, the Old Testament is riddled with prophecy after prophecy from Isaiah, from Zephaniah, from Zechariah. All of the prophets of old looked forward, including Abraham and Saul, the birth and, and the resurrection of our Messiah. And I want you to understand that this was no ordinary day in which Mary was living. And so this morning we're going to see some things as we look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. So this morning, you know, when you look at all of the different aspects, we see the angels, we see the wise men, we see the shepherds in the field, we see obviously the Messiah as being the, uh, the object of the whole entire Christmas story. But oftentimes when we come to Mary, Mary is either one of two things. Either people completely overlook Mary's significance and they, they don't think about her at all, Or the other extreme in some segments of Orthodox Christian faith, in the Catholic Church and different ones, put Mary to a place of worship, to a place of sainthood. And this morning, I want to strip away everything that you possibly have ever thought about Jesus' mother, Mary, and talk to you about Mary Christmas from her very perspective of her eyes. First of all, Mary was about 13 years old, is what history tells us. And, and that's a young age, but in those days, that was not a common, uncommon age for people to begin to begin their life. And, and in Jewish culture, you know, the, the boy become a man at age 13, he had his bar mitzvah. And, and so now we have Joseph and Mary betrothed, both of them having saved themselves. For marriage. And so they're, uh, uh, you know, uh, just kind of minding their own business. And now here, all of a sudden, Mary has an intersection with prophecy. You know, oftentimes when we look at prophecy, we think about the end times and we think of the rapture, the Antichrist and the battle of Gog and Magog and Armageddon and all of this cool stuff. And, but you know, the prophets also saw the first coming of the Messiah and they looked and they saw that Jesus would come like a root out of dry ground. Isaiah the prophet looked and he saw how, how Jesus would, would be you know, just like us. He would be the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. You see, there's a mystery surrounding this event. Because as I believe that Bible doctrine is so very important. And in this passage of Scripture... This morning we see a couple of things. Number one, we see the, what, what we would call the divine immaculate conception. Jesus was born of a virgin. Uh, that that means that because no earthly father was connected to his his conception that the sin bloodline of a father was not passed down through Jesus see Mary was the the incubator if you will of the seed of God and so now what we see is that Christ is incarnate the God man God in flesh see don't get it twisted this morning he wasn't 50% God and 50% man he was 100% God and 100% percent man. And let me just go ahead and mess you up a little bit more. There's something unique about Jesus. Can I give it to you? You ready for this? I'm about to mess your whole head up. Let me me just tell you this. Jesus is the only person who ever existed. He still exists, but I mean why he walked the earth. Jesus was the only person older than his mother and the same age as his father. That'll mess you up right there. Jesus is the only person older than his mother and the same age as his father. Now I'm about to mess you up. People say, well, yeah, how is that? Because Jesus wasn't born until the stable in Bethlehem. Well, see, that's what distinguishes us, my friend, from Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses believe Jesus did not come on the scene until the birth of Mary. But I'm here to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus literally preexisted with the Father in eternity past. Colossians wrote through the unction of the Holy Spirit by the hands of the Apostle Paul that nothing was created except that it was created through Christ. And so literally what we see in Luke's gospel, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning, in Luke chapter 1, what we see is the infinite who, is, who expanded through eternity. We're talking about God this morning. Come on. Job 26.7. We're talking about Jesus who created everything. Job 26.7. All people talk about Job is the bad stuff. But let me tell you about Job. Job 26.7 says, God stretched out the north over the empty space, and he hung the earth on nothing. I'm talking about that God this morning. Is this microphone broke? I'm talking about that God this morning who stretched out the north over the empty space and he hung the earth on nothing and he slung every star into place and they are still standing where they are today. That Jesus, the infinite, became an infant. He that was eternal and was outside of time stepped down into time and walked among us in human flesh through a womb of a virgin named Mary. Uh, the prophets begin to see that Jesus would be born in this way. It was very significant. We've got to understand the incarnation of Christ is important. Before we can go any further this morning to understand the significance of this story, it's more than just angelic visitation. It's more than just something we read about. But you've got to understand that the incarnation of Christ is so significant because the only one who could be a perfect sacrifice for you and my sin is the one who was perfect himself. Hallelujah. The Bible said he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say Jesus was never touched nor tainted by the sinful bloodline of a human man. Therefore, God just just like whoo, Jesus, just like the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea was borrowed. So Jesus didn't have to purchase a tomb for his burial for three days. The womb of Mary was also borrowed as the Son of God chose to come down through that, that, that vessel so that he could be born into this sin-stained earth. you with me? Now let's look at this. We also see the, in, the incarnation and we see the divine conception. But what we've got to understand about Mary... Mary was a vessel. Everybody say vessel. Mary was a vessel. See, some people, they pray to Mary. Other people exalt Mary. But I I want you to understand, even Mary said, my Lord, my God. Even Mary said, whatever he says, do it. Uh, Whatever Mary was the vessel that God chose to use, Jesus also said, whoever does the will of my Father are also my mother and my brother and my sister. Come on, somebody. But just because Mary's not to be forsaken and just because Mary is not to be worshipped or exalted does not mean that we need to cast away her significance in this story because Mary is a very pivotal piece of the Christmas story because what we're about to see Is thousands of years of prophecy and human history culminating in a conversation? I want you to think about something for a moment. Mary and Joseph are married, or or betrothed to be married. That's a fancy way of saying they're engaged. Uh, Joseph has already did what he needed to do in their custom to, to make this happen. A lot's not known about Mary. We do know she was a, a Jewish, and she had a lineage from Judah. And, and there's a lot of interesting things that we, we see about her. Elizabeth was her cousin, which, by the way, as the angel had said, there was a conversation concerning um, the impregnation of Elizabeth and Zechariah and where John the Baptist was coming into the world, the forerunner of the Messiah, And now this angel comes. I want you to go back to the text, and I want you to look at it with me. Luke chapter 1, and let's look at this. I'm telling you, it is so, people, I know people who don't like to preach this stuff. It makes me excited. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. Everybody say a virgin. Betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So the virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold... He will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And he answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One that is to be born shall be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relatives will also conceive a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month uh, uh, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. We see thousands of years of human history intersecting with prophecy right here at a moment. And I want you to imagine this conversation. First of all, um, uh, angels don't look like a lot of times what we think they look like. Sometimes people have portrayed them as little babies with harps and clouds. But, you know, these archangels, they're big angels. And so uh, imagine when the angel showed up to her, what he said was, fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, this spiritual being, this messenger, has come to this little girl, 13 years old. Ladies, I want you to remember, those of you who are older than the age of 13, I want you to remember when you were that age. Here this angel appears to you and says, You've been highly favored by God. You're about to give birth to a child. His name will be the Son of God. You shall call His name Jesus. And, and here's how it's going to happen, Mary. The power of the Almighty is going to overshadow you. And you'll give birth to, give birth to a son. He should, his name should be called Jesus. He will save His people from their sins. And we're talking about having a merry Christmas this morning. But I want you to imagine this information received by Mary. Can you imagine the conversation she must be having inside of her head? What am I going to tell Joseph? In fact, we're not looking at it this morning. We're, we're, we can talk about that another week. But the angel actually comes because when Joseph finds this out, he's ready to put her out. His reputation as a Jewish young man is ruined because contrary to popular belief, there was a day when it wasn't popular to be a pregnant, unwed teenager. There was no reality shows. Come on. There was no reality shows making it famous. And so, and so he said, You know what? No, we, we can't do this. I'm gonna have to put her away privately. And then the angel had to come and say, nope, what happened is holy. You need to go with this. But can you imagine the conversation they had that day? I imagine dinner was a little awkward that night. Can you imagine? Joseph didn't know whether to give her a hug or to hold her hand or not to even mess with her. But yet God chose through the yes of a young girl to allow the Savior to be born into the world. And as I begin to think about this, we look at the doctrinal side of it. We, looked at, we look at the, the incarnation of Christ. We look at his, his deity, His divinity, His sinlessness. We look at Mary, her aspect of being a vessel which the Lord would work through. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. There are times in all of our lives where the Lord wants to work through us. So how do we take Mary's life and not take away from the biblical aspect of it and apply it to our lives? I believe there are a couple things that we can look at this morning as we're having a Merry Christmas and we see her significance in this story that I think all of us can learn from. The first one is found in verse number 26. Here's what it says It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed by Mary whose name was Joseph. Uh, uh, Yeah, a virgin betrothed to a man, sorry, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. If you're taking notes this morning, I pray you are, there's one thing that I would tell you this morning. Number one. Number one, no matter who you are, the Lord can use you. No matter who you are, the Lord can use you. You, you. you may be here this morning and say, how in the world could God ever use me to fulfill His great plan on the earth? Can I tell you that when God wanted uh, His Son to be born from heaven into the earth, that, that He looked down and He found the most unlikely. A 13-year-old girl named Mary. She was 13. She was young. She was inexperienced at life. She didn't have a lot to offer, although there was a purity to her heart that God looked down and saw. I want you to know something. It doesn't matter who you are, what side of the tracks you come from. If you'll be pure before God and be willing to say yes, it doesn't matter who you are. The Lord can use you. Now, I know that sometimes we can think that we're insignificant. I'm sure Mary probably thought in her heart, God, why did you pick me? Why couldn't you pick anybody else? Anybody else ever felt that way? When God puts it on your heart to do something or to, or to, to minister to somebody or to pray for somebody or to be used in a certain way, and you say, God, wh- why, why me? There's so many other people that you could use that are more qualified. Can I tell you this morning, God is not necessarily looking for the qualified. He's looking for those who are called. He's looking for those who are willing to say yes, no matter how big or how small or insignificant you might be. God uses the most insignificant things to bring His purposes to pass on the earth. You might be here this morning, you think, well, I'm too small to make an impact. Friends, if you think you're too small to make an impact, you have never been in a bed with a mosquito. I'm here to tell you, sometimes big things come in little bitty packages. There is a whole industry overseas in malaria-ridden countries where they put nets over beds because you cannot be trusted At night in a room with a mosquito. Listen, sometimes God doesn't take the big. Sometimes He doesn't take what everybody thought. Do you know when Jesus chose His 12 disciples? You know who He found? He found Judas, who was a worship leader. He found Matthias, who was a tax collector. He found Peter, who was a fisherman, who was really rough around the edges. Jesus did not find the cream of the crop, the pedigree, the one who the world said was qualified. Do you know that when Israel, when God was looking for a king and all of Jesse's kids lined up, up, there was still one ready redhead out in the shepherd's field who God said that's the one here's what I'm telling you this morning just like Mary no matter who you are the Lord can use you if you just humble yourself I wonder who God wants to use this Christmas as Mary gave birth to the Messiah into to the earth let me ask you this question What does the Lord want to birth through you in this season? What ministry does God want to birth through you in this season? All you have to do is simply say yes. Here's another one found in verse 28. Look at this. And having come in, the angel said, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, to consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord your God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his king and of his kingdom there shall be no. Here's the second thing that I would tell you this morning. Like, number one, no matter who you are, the Lord can use you. Number two, no matter what you face, the Lord is with you. No matter what you face, the Lord is with you. You know, David said in the book of Psalms, he says, nowhere that I can go can I flee from his presence. Anywhere you go, anything you face, every mountain, every difficulty, every storm, every insurmountable possibility that's staring you in the face, you cannot get away from it because, as a believer, the Lord is with us. You know, when Mary was given this word, here's the angel, you're going to give birth as a 13 year old. You're going to have to raise the Son of God. No pressure. Do you spank him? I mean, what do you do? I'm sure Mary had some siblings. You know, Mary had a little lamb. We know that. But I'm sure she had some siblings that she had to take care of. Do you swap baby Jesus on the butt? What do you do when Jesus gets in trouble? No pressure. Imagine that it was insurmountable when she faced this. But there was one thing for certain. God was with her because she was highly favored. And God had smiled from heaven and said, Mary, I have chosen you for such a task as this. You are the vessel that I have ordained for this season. said, so the angel told her, the Lord is with you. Can I just encourage somebody in this room this morning? not be facing carrying the Son of God. But for some of you, what the Lord has asked you to do is heavy. The Lord has asked some of you to start ministries. The Lord has asked some of you to minister to a certain group of people. The Lord has asked you to, to do certain things, and it seems insurmountable. But here's what I want to know, that if God calls you to the task, you've got to understand that the Lord is always with you. We are never alone. His promises are to never leave us and to never forsake us. Lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. No matter the circumstances, no matter what you face, the giants that may be staring at you, the Lord is with us. You know, I think about this throughout Scripture. This principle rings true. I remember when Elijah and the servant of the Lord went up and woke up early in the morning and he heard the Syrian army coming against the children of Israel. The servant of the Lord began to cry out, My master, my master, wake up. He got up and he looked up, lifted up his eyes and he saw the Syrian armies walking all around the children of Israel and camped around against them. And he said, Lord, I pray that you would open up your servant's eyes. The Bible says the servant's eyes were open, and he said, More, there be more that be with us than they that be with them. As he saw the angels of the Lord encamped around about those who fear Him. Folks, let me tell you something. The circumstance may look scary, but God has tens of thousands of angels encamped around those who fear His name. And no matter what you go through, no matter what circumstance you face, you can stand flat foot in front of it knowing that God is with you and He will never leave you alone. Here's what Mary also... Based in the 34th verse the bible says then mary said to the angel another way that can be translated is mary asked the angel how many of you know after a conversation like that you'd probably have some questions in fact let me pause right here how many of you of the lord has ever asked you to do something And you responded, well, how am I supposed to do that? (laughs) Lord, I would do it if you just told me. Then Mary said, or Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and he said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also... That holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Then he goes on to tell her about Elizabeth, your relative also conceived in her old age, was now in the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Here's the third thing. Number two was no matter what you face, the Lord is with you. Here's number three. No matter the promise, the Lord can perform it. No matter the promise, the Lord can perform it. Folks, here's what I need you to understand this morning. When God calls us to do something crazy for Him, it always requires faith. Can I just tell you That if you can do it on your own, it's probably not God. God calls us to do crazy things. And and I'm going to tell you, it's great for God to put us in a corner sometimes and give us a task bigger than we could ever think of, and then we're faced with having to jump out off the deep end and hope God catches us. And, and, and listen, just because God calls you to something great and calls you to something big does not mean you won't have questions. I was actually raised by some well-meaning people who said, you just don't ever question God. I don't know if you were raised that way. I was raised, you just don't question God. As a child, somebody died. We prayed for them. We were believing for them to be healed. They died anyway. And we said, we just don't understand that. Somebody said, well, you just don't question God. When an accident happens, a tragedy happens, somebody's life is cut short, people say, you just don't question God. I want you to know something. Oftentimes, we don't get the answers that we're looking for because we don't ask the right questions. Now, it's, it's not wrong to ask God, but it is wrong to accuse God. Job asked the right questions. Job even went as far to say, man, I'm going through so much trouble. I just wish I wasn't even born. Don't lie. You've been there before. But the Bible said in all this, Job never sinned against God with his lips. So obviously, asking the question isn't a sin. Mary is overwhelmed. She's faced with this mounting, surmountable mountain in front of her. And she's saying, God, how will this ever happen? I, you got to understand, God, I don't have the degree. I don't have the money to start this business. I don't have any of this. Here's what Mary's facing. How are you? What do you mean I'm going to get pregnant? Joseph and I, I'm going to keep this PG. We've barely held hands. How's it going to happen? And I love the angel's response. He said, the Holy Spirit, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to do this because he's going to overshadow you and the power of the most high is going to come upon you. And that which is conceived in you will be called the Son of God. And His name shall be called Jesus. <sighs> Don't miss this. Mary had questions. She said, Lord, how is this going to happen? Questions. Questions. We all have questions. And can I tell you, sometimes God can answer us and still not give us all of the answers. You know, I think about this sometimes. I'm a very logical person. We take you back to Genesis for a moment. Abram, get out from your father's country. From everything you know. By the way, history tells us Abraham's father was an idol maker. Get out from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. Well, how many of you know God could have told him where to go, but he just told him to start walking? He just told him to start walking. And as he walked, God began to expand and expound on what it is. But God did tell him, he said, hey, listen, you just need to leave Lot behind. Don't take anybody with you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you take lot, it'll cost you a lot. It costed him a lot of peace. It costed him a lot of provision. It costed him a lot of things. But he should have left him behind. But here's what I, here's what I need you to know this morning. Mary had questions. God, how is this going to happen? The angel's response was, the Holy Spirit, Mary. Here's what I feel like the Lord told me to tell you today. I don't know who this is for this morning, but I feel it so deep down in my soul. You're facing something insurmountable. You don't know how you're going to do it. You don't know how the resources are going to come. You don't know how the building's going to break free. You don't know how this is going to happen. But here's what the Lord told me to tell you. If you got a how, He still got a Holy Ghost. If you got a how, he still has a Holy Ghost. So God, through the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, overshadowed Mary. And that which was born in her was the Son of God. No way this could happen in the natural. However, God specializes in the impossible. God specializes in the impossible. At the end of the day, you simply just need to be like Mary. Look look at the rest of this verse, this this passage. Verse 37 says, For with God nothing, everybody shout nothing, nothing shall be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let me interpret that in modern-day English for you. Whatever you want to do in me, Lord, here I am. Come on, read it again. Did I, did I do the text? Miss Justice, put the verse back up. Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Modern-day English. Here I am, Lord. Have your way in my life. Let me tell you something about Mary. Mary's yes was so significant because she gave birth to the son of God. I don't I don't have time this morning. The glory of God was always significant to Israel's history. The ark of the covenant was a physical representation of the glory of God. That Ark of the Covenant was to be carried by the priests, right? They would come to Israel to the temple or the tabernacle and they would worship behind the priesthood, behind the veil. In Ezekiel, you don't need to miss this. The book of Ezekiel, the prophet was taken up by the Spirit of the Lord. And he said, come with me, son of man, and let me show you what I want to show you. I believe this is chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9 of Ezekiel. He says, come on, son of man, let me take you on a journey. And he showed him how the priests were messing up in the presence of God. They were disregarding the presence of God. The the presence of God literally in a physical manifestation lifted off of the Ark of the Covenant. It's dancing. This is in your Bible, Ezekiel chapter 7. And they didn't even notice it. They were too busy with their rituals that they didn't notice the presence of God. So he said, all right, let's go in the outer court. And there were the people out there ministering. And the, outer, and the presence of God moved out there. They didn't notice. And then all of a sudden, the presence of God hovered over the door of the sanctuary They just kept on doing their thing. Isn't it tragic when we keep doing our stuff and we don't even notice the presence of God is not even there? And then, he says, son of man, look. He looked over the eastern gate as the presence of God sat upon the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says this in Ezekiel chapter 9, that the presence of God left Israel. It was gone for 400 years. 400 years, there was no glory. Somebody say, no glory. There was no glory in Israel. It was gone. But the Bible says, one night, there were some lowly shepherds out in a field when an angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, this night, you shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. He is the Son of God. You know what the Bible says? That when those angels showed up, the glory of the Lord surrounded them. Because Mary said yes, the glory came back to Israel. And guess what, my friend? It hasn't left yet. Come on, somebody. Jesus was born through the womb of a virgin named Mary, and she said, yes, Lord, according to your will. So was Mary to be worshiped? No. Is Mary to be ignored? No. Her significance is too great. But here's what I want you to know. Because she said yes, the Son of God made His entrance into this sinful world. I'm closing. But here's a question I want to ask you today. Twofold. Because because Mary said yes, will you say yes? If we really understand that Jesus left off splendor of heaven, came down to earth, and he lived as a mortal man. You see, if I could wrap up all of Christmas and unplug the lights and unplug the star and, and unplug all of that stuff, if I could summarize Christmas in one state. here it is his name shall be called Jesus because Jesus means the Lord's salvation Jesus is the Lord's salvation so friends don't get it twisted I love all the festivities I love all of the candy canes and the lights and the trees and the presents and I love all of it, as Darren said. I love the red, the festive. I got a pair of Christmas pajamas. I'll wear them every other day as long as we wash them at the house. I mean, I love Christmas. But it's really not about the lights on the tree as much as it's about the light of the world. It's really not as much about the presence under the tree as it is His presence that came into the world. It's really not as much about the tree as much as it's about Calvary. The tree that he hung on because he came. This morning, I want you to stand with me.